You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm very surprised but pleased to know how many of you wanted to watch our cost piece on our original YouTube channel where we talked about... I'm not sure I want to watch again. ...just <laughs> so how much, much it's cost. Yeah, you, oh, you had a much gosh. better story than me, or depending upon how you were listening. Because then when you story finally say it out loud, it's like, yeah. really? Did I... Did I really do that? Mm-hmm. Is that me? You really did that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we broke down everything. Oh, there's the joke. We broke down everything that broke down. <laughs> we, we talked about the stuff that needed to be fixed, why it needed to be fixed, the money that's into those cars since we bought them, and more importantly, since the first monster road trip, which reminds me again, mm-hmm. we are going to Radwood, Philly in the end of May. If you're interested in in the area of Philadelphia at all, we're going to be at the Subaru Stadium, I believe is what it's called. You can look up for tickets for Radwood. But more importantly, you can go to the Adventures tab on our website because we are doing a meetup dinner the night before. And I want to I want to walk you guys through this because it just got set up. Mandy's set up this awesome dinner. We are having our own private room. We are having an all-inclusive alcohol-as-well evening. Okay, so I can hear the Rocky theme right now. It is going to be dun, good. Dun, 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 there dun, won't dun, be any dun, stairs dun, to run up, but but dun, maybe dun, we dun, can just dun, do it for dun, fun. Dun, dun, dun. But but the point I'm making here is a lot of times when you guys have come to our meetups and it's these night before meetups, we, we have trouble finding a space for all of us. Like if you were in Austin, it was a little bit of a free for all. We have our own space in this really cool restaurant in Philadelphia. Yeah, so yeah. you can go to the adventures tab. You can sign up and join us the night before. We'll be there with our cars. In fact, I believe we'll be there with our two cars and the 86, I think is what's happening. Think it's coming. It's all it's crazy. We got its way a out. massive, massive road trip film coming, which we're yeah. very excited about. So please join us for that. And then Radwood the next day. That is coming the end of May. That will be our east trip, and we're still going to go south and north. There's a lot going on. If you haven't watched that cost to own piece, uh, it's going to make me cry every time I watch it. <laughs> it might make <laughs> you cry, but yes, thank you for watching that, guys. We have a great couple of debates for you from first Taylor near Baton Rouge, Louisiana, with a bittersweet indeed email he needs a new daily because he's selling a cayman we've also got albert s in paramount california whose poor car decisions have made him broke Mm. well i'm right there with you buddy so (laughs) wait a minute why'd you pick that that's interesting commiserate together we now have an auto parts partnership with carparts.com carparts.com is the smarter way to shop for auto parts their fast mobile friendly experience makes it easy to shop for the parts you need when you need them Just enter the year, make, and model of your vehicle. Start shopping and start saving. It's that simple. CarParts.com stocks their own inventory, cutting out the middleman and passing the savings on to you. And they're offering even more savings for our audience. Whether you've been in a collision, working on your project car, or need to catch up on maintenance, visit CarParts.com slash EverydayDriver for 10% off of $100 or more on select brands. Get the right parts right now at CarParts.com. Taylor writes to us. He's near Baton Rouge. He's in a bittersweet situation. He's decided to sell his 987.2 Cayman and get something cheaper that can fit a kid. Hmm. Well, you know know what I'm going to say? Every car can fit a kid. But but what you're actually talking about is you and the Minister of Finance and the child should all go somewhere with a car seat. And that's not possible in a Cayman. Well, Taylor bought this Cayman right after his daughter was born. Then COVID has him working from home still, and he hardly ever got to drive it, so he feels like it's time for it to go. Okay. Who wants a 987.2 Cayman? That's the right spec. I mean, that's, that's, I feel like my favorite generation of Caymans. It is really good. It's really good. He drives it if he needs to go somewhere by himself or to his monthly autocross, which makes him want to keep it after every event. (laughs) Sure it does. Yeah. It's a base model, 265 horsepower, but he says that car is still amazing. And Mm. with just tires, he is consistently ranked top 10 and usually top five at his local autocross. I, yes, it's a great chassis and and with and tires, 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 tires. I know you're not surprised by that but there it is changes everything well he says that we know he knows that we say if you're considering selling it do it mm-hmm. especially in this market yeah, he paid twenty three thousand dollars for it in 2020 he's already gotten offered twenty five thousand dollars he's seen dealers asking 40k but seriously doubts anyone is getting that wow he's hoping for just thirty thousand private party I'll bet you. That's amazing. I'll bet you you can get that. He probably will, but it's just amazing to me that the market is, uh, even though I know it just, I see the numbers and my brain hurts. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. 
Well, his plan is to get something cheaper so he doesn't have a car payment anymore. Most of that sale price goes to paying off the loan for it and something else that is manual. Okay. He says he'll never buy another automatic for himself. <laughs> You'll let other people buy them for you. No. <laughs> right? We just had somebody, we're talking about going on our pilgrimage trip, which is full, and then we had a great meeting with the people that are going. And one of the people on the trip said that we were going to have to teach them to drive automatic, which made me laugh the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed hilarious. That. Well, his wife has a DSG 2018 Volkswagen GTI. He says, great car with a terrible transmission. Hmm, it's not that bad. It's, I've, I've never quite enjoyed it, though. I've it's always it's wanted it to okay. Be better. Yeah, I've always wanted it to be better, but yeah. Well, he says he doesn't know who designed those shift points, but they kill the car. Well, okay, fair enough. He said it would be nice to have something more fun than an automatic to drive his kid around when they okay. go somewhere as a family, which is most of the time. All right. He's been trying to find an eighth-generation Civic Si sedan built from 2006 to 2011, he says we've never heard he's never heard us talk about that car, but he's heard nothing but good things about them. He's got okay. a friend with an E36 and E90 M3 that he dailies, uh, dailies an eighth gen SI and loves it. Hmm. So have we driven one? I don't know that we have eighth gen forever ago. Eighth Fore- gen forever SI? ago, and I have faint memories of it. It's yeah. a good generation, but like faint memories of that car. And yeah, they're solid. I just, I, I have to admit they don't come up in my brain. Well, we drove one for rally a... ready. I'll go, that wasn't an SI, but that was that generation. <laughs> they're great in the dirt. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You got to unhook the that's, vacuum brake assist. That's very and funny. great. That's very they funny. That, that rally ready piece that actually <laughs> is on Amazon Prime and was on TV, actually part of season nine, is actually coming to YouTube in a couple of weeks here. So you'll see us Talk about chucking an old abuse. SI around. Yeah, big time. It's that's taking funny. Abuse. That's actually funny. I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but there you go. That that one was was driven hard. Yeah, yeah. it was. It had like 194,000 miles. Didn't care. And it's beat into mm-hmm. the earth, and it Absolutely. just keeps running. Well, another car Taylor's considering is a Mazda Speed 3. He's heard us talk about these. Yes, he says. It's positive besides the torque steer. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. It just means it's got Which character. is still funny. Even the torque steer. Torque steer in that car is funny. I mean, that's the thing about it. And you mentioned that you kind of wonder if what I said about the fact that it's just kind of enjoying that laugh is something you would respond to. The torque steer is like the weird thing that's unexpected of your best friend. It's like that's what that is in the the Mazda Speed 3, and you grow to love it. You're like, yeah, it's doing the torque steer thing again. It's crazy. (laughs) He says both are good options, but he wants to check with the experts if there's something he's missing. Who are the experts? Are there experts in the room? is there a phone number? I what, don't see. Who are we following up with? Yeah, That's who do we call? Okay. Well, his requirements. This has never before happened. Okay. With this. $10,000 budget, $12,000 max, and he says it's 12000 Paul limiter unless I provide the funds to exceed it. <laughs> I have never, ever been called out quite mm. like that, Taylor. Okay. Well done. So would you say you 14 grand, you're writing a check. I understand where that goes. Wow. Bravo. Okay. All See, right. now that you've is, given everybody else the idea. That is that is feet to the fire I right there. have to bring the extra dollars. I don't have the extra dollars. It's been dumped into the, <laughs> it's the all, 928. It's all in the 928. Have you seen the cost to own? Yes. Well, he wants something reliable enough. He says Caymans are surprisingly reliable. Agree. He does all his own maintenance. He says he gets cheap parts for him, but he's not that concerned with maintenance items. He'd rather no serious known issues like BMW cooling issues. He has mm. the Vano system and RX-8 engine failures due to people not knowing how to drive and well, take care of them. Super engine failures due to people not knowing how to drive. Well, yes. He wants to fit three people comfortably with a rear-facing car seat. And due to this seat, he'd rather have four doors. I can see that, yeah. He had a BRZ. The rear-facing car seat sucked. <laughs> okay. Also, they couldn't fit in the car comfortably. Neither he or his wife are very tall, There's, despite that. We have a, a larger piece coming on the 86 and usability than GR86 and, and all that kind of stuff, driving in the snow. It's a very fun piece. It's coming in a few weeks. And we talk about the fact that the rear-facing child seat is just not a reality in those cars, at least not if you want to have a passenger, which is exactly what you said. It's just not possible. Well, Taylor goes through cars... Every year or two. You have a car disease. By the way, I was just thinking of that. The tax title and license that you're paying to go through every car, that's going to mm-hmm. add up to the point where it, it'll be a $20,000 engine rebuild like the 928. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, you're defending yourself I'm trying now, to justify my <laughs> investment. <laughs> I see. Nevertheless. Yes. How many decades of tax title and license are you going to have to own that car before you're like, and I'm even... A full decade, I think. Uh, no, I think more than that. The taxes aren't <laughs> that high here. Anyway... <laughs> Well, he's considered others, RX-8, WRX. He's already owned a 2011 and a 2007 STI. He just wants a new experience. I mean, okay. he lists the like FRs, uh, the BRZ in 86, yeah. 
Uh, he lists the IS 300, like the older ones, mm-hmm. hard to find in his budget and manual. That, that's not a bad idea, though. That first gen IS 300. They are. If those you can are find cool. Them, they're very cool. I, I, I love that you thought of that. Yeah, man. that is a good idea. You're going to have to do some searching on that one if you really want one. He says BMW E36s are too old, even though he does okay. his own work. He doesn't want to be constantly working on his car. <laughs> Why not? He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to have like. He calls up carparts.com and they go, oh, hey, you're back. He doesn't want to have that. <laughs> Taylor, you know, yeah, exactly. welcome back. He says, uh, what else? E90, the 328-330i2 boring and their BMWs. Okay. Yes. My favorite is Fiesta ST, just no. He said, I know they're fun. He's driven to friends at autocross. He was very impressed, but he cannot tolerate the interior. He said it's one of the worst interiors he's ever seen or touched and he doesn't like Fords. So what you're saying here is, <laughs> when I recommend Fiesta ST, you're going to be all on board. You also said, because you don't like Fords, that the Focus ST is also out. And you've stopped me from mentioning the Mini Cooper. Because you're, you're pretty sure that the Mini Cooper I had is the only reliable one in history. I'm going to say that one of the reasons mine worked was twofold. Granted, it had almost 200,000 miles and a meticulous first owner who bought it new and put almost 200,000 miles on it. That was part of it. But also... Dollars, miles, two hundred thousand dollars. What? No, what? no, no, no miles. <laughs> the the first gen BMW ones, the O threes to O what was it eight or so? Okay, that was what I had with the supercharger. Mm-hmm. Those seemed to have actually been more reliable than the second gen when they went turbo, and those were catastrophically bad for reliability. And I think it's taken many quite a few generations to even recover from that. Yeah. But those supercharger ones, in spite of the fact they had some oil uh, leaking issues, which the meticulous owner that had mine didn't have. Despite the oil leaks. Despite that, <laughs> they tend to actually, from what I've seen, were far more reliable than at least the next gen, which was like runaway screaming. Hmm. Still, you don't want a mini. Okay, fine. Hmm. Well, we've also got a cars I've owned in the past list here, which is lengthy, including a forerunner, including the Cayman right now. There's a Mustang on there. Wow. There's WRXs. He's, I mean, he's had BMWs. He even had a Miata for a while. He's covered a lot of stuff, and he doesn't want another GTI. He had one that was beater and terrible. His wife has one now. So that's off the list as well. The top considerations, the two at the top here, are that eighth generation Civic Si. Mm-hmm. It says 8,000 RPM redline, fun, thrashable. Mm-hmm. I love when you're writing that stuff out, you're selling it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just writing your own, you know, Absolutely. little yeah, yeah, ad yeah. verbiage sure. right there. He says it can take a beating all day long. Yes, go see the one at Rally Ready in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, that's funny. Beat that's very on. funny. You're right. He also used to want one when he was in high school. There it is. Uh huh. That's key. That's the connection. This is the this is the reason why you keep thinking about the eighth gen Civic Si and Paul and I don't because <laughs> right. what the cars we wanted in high school are these cars of the past. We're now going to dump money into. Right. And you're thinking, you know what? I always wanted a Civic Si. There we go. Yep. Mm. The Mazda Speed Three is also on the list. Hatch, tons of power, fits a kid, but more expensive than the Civic. He says he knows somebody selling one a 2012 with a little over 80,000 miles. Yeah, he thinks around $12,000, which you're right, isn't bad in today's market. Mm-hmm. And he watched our review of the Mazda Speed 3 versus Focus ST. And like he says, you just want that laugh. Mm-hmm. Great. All yep. right. Yep, yep. What are our thoughts? Anything that fits the bill that will be reliable enough and fit a kid? Yes, and it's in the sentence. It's a fit. It's a Honda oh, look fit. At you. Okay, that's interesting. Will it fit a kid? Yes, yes it, it will. Yes, it will. It'll fit like half your house inexplicably. It yeah. will. It's not the Mazda Speed 3. Mm-hmm. It's The Civic Si is probably going to be a, a lot more of a laugh. Yes. But for twelve grand, i will bet you you could find a fit of any generation, any year, mm-hmm. and manual, and they're a little house inside. Yeah, and they're they still fun. Yeah, they they're are. inexplicably fun, just like these two mm-hmm. cars on the mm-hmm. list. Enthusiasts look at these these two cars, Taylor, and acknowledge them and say, "Yeah, they're okay. You know, I'd rather spend a little more, get a little more, that kind of thing." But the fit, it's interesting. It's so intriguing. It's mm. fun, mm. and it's going to give you your new search back, your dreams back, your car, the next fun car kind of thing back. Because I think this will be fun enough for you to fit the family and. Do things with road like trips. That's good. You can beat the snot out of this one too. Mm-hmm. It's a Honda. You can road trip the daylights out of it. And then maybe another Cayman's in your future. Maybe some other fun car, whatever that is. 
but I think this will keep the budget down. You notice I'm tiptoeing real carefully here because I don't want to send <laughs> you don't want to write a, a check. check. That's exactly why. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you're being careful. I think that's good. I really do like the fit. I like your choices. And I do like this IS 300 you mentioned up here because although older, you said you're willing to work on your cars, but it's also a Toyota. Mm-hmm. So I think that's your saving grace for that car. And I think that makes the search worth it, even though it's going to be tougher to find. That could be mm. your unique car. I think those, yeah, that could be good. I mean, they're 20 years or more older now, but yeah. that could be your car. Very I cool. I like it. That's good stuff. I, I'm going to speak to your two standouts as well, Taylor. Look, the 8th Gen Civic, I, I just candidly, I don't remember it that well, okay? And I don't gravitate back toward older Civics. It's just not, that's not where my brain runs. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you'd go wrong there based on what I remember and based on Civics in general and what you know about it and the fact that it has that connection to you is key. I don't think you'd go wrong there. <laughs> yeah, But I sure. really like the Mazda Speed 3 for you because you could get one from someone you know. That's in true. your area, yep. and it's sorted. And it's sorted well enough to do autocross. So it's not like, well, yeah, I just drive it. and I, That person's worked it hard. That's so true. If it's, and it only has 80,000 miles. It's not that much for a car that old. <laughs> 80,000 autocross miles. Yes. But <laughs> the problem with the Mazda Speed 3 was they had overheating issues, and they had some other issues with some of the engine mounts, if memory serves. And that was people that didn't know any better that drove them, and then stuff broke, and then it got worse, and it was a mm-hmm. series of dominoes. Mm-hmm. That's not the car you're talking about. You know it's, it's been sorted. That's you know true. the owner. You can say what's been done, and he can walk you through it. I think that Mazda Speed 3 specifically is probably my first choice for you. I think Mazda Speed 3s in general, you're going to have to be careful about what you're buying and who you're buying it from at this price. That's my only concern because mm-hmm. those were cars kind of like, I mean, they were kind of like the WRXs and the Evos where the second owner destroyed them, and now they're getting rid of them. You know, that's what the, that kind of car is. So be sure, careful. Sure. But the one you found, I think, is really interesting. I have a wild card for you. Okay. And I really like it. Okay. Because it gets you a significantly newer car than the rest of the other two we're talking about. Great. The problem, Great. and the reason it's a wild card, is because it's a two-door, but it's a roomy two-door. Okay. And what you're talking about in the back seat is a rear-facing child seat. And I think it would actually work pretty well. And that is the Fiat 500 Abart. That's pretty good. Go shop with $12,000 for those. Uh, yes. The seat in the back? Yes. Uh, certainly it will because it almost does in something like a BRZ. Huh. And the back seat in those is every bit as big, actually a little bit bigger than the Mini. I remember when we had one, and I was surprised when I got in the back. I was like, you know what? It's not great back here, That's but it's pretty okay. Good. Huh? So rear-facing child seat in a Fiat 500 Abart. Yes, you have the, the reach around through the, the two doors problem when you put, put a little one in the seat. That is an issue. I yeah. don't deny that. Convertible. But I think <laughs> Drop in from above. This is the reason that Elon Musk created Falcon Doors. <laughs> because for the time he spent with his couple of His thousand brood. kids. Yes. Yeah, he decided he wanted to, to lift them in from the from the top. Yeah. What this yes. basically just shows me is he was a frustrated father and decided to solve it, and then he just decided to just go to work and not see the kids. I think that's really <laughs> how that went. But anyway, sorry, that was side note. Uh, but Fiat 500 apart, the no four doors makes it the wild card, but that's my other idea. I like it. Taylor, let us know what you end up doing, what you test drive. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com when you want to submit your own car debate. And write to us with your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and of course your debates. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars one search. Albert has the car disease, and I feel for Albert. Albert, yeah, I'm, he does. He's writing to us from Paramount, California. He is 25 years old. He has ruined his credit. He is in debt. He has trouble with what's next, all because he loves cars. He has bought cars that have caused him problems, and then he's put money to try to fix said problems, and that has resulted in more problems. And now he is in a place where literally he has spent so much money on cars and it has been such an obsession for him. And we, we speak your language, man. We are, we are car obsessed right there with you, but you have gotten yourself into a slippery slope that now it is bothering your relationships with your family and your financial advisor, girlfriend. That is 
tough, man. And I see how you got there because we could easily get there. Mm. Have you watched our cost? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife keeps going. When I keep spending money on the Z, she keeps going, now where's this money coming from? Yeah, I, That's right. I hear you, honey. She I, wasn't I'm right there. featured in there. Yeah. That could have been part of it. Well, Albert loves cars so much he's going to school to become a technician. I like that. He loves all brands but has a huge soft spot for anything that comes from the big three for GM and Stellantis. Okay. He loves driving manual transmissions. He loves the connection to the car, but he's open to a good automatic. But due to his car being down for repairs has left him without a car. Mm. He's having to rely on public transportation or borrowing a car, which, as Todd said, has caused him to miss important events. Oh, man. He relies on his car heavily as he needs it to get to work, school, pick up his sisters, and attend events as a vendor and visit his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. He needs something extremely reliable that won't leave him on the side of the road, like a 1990 Mustang (laughs) or a Fiesta ST due to overheating issues. It's a list of the things that have left him on the side of the road. That's what's so terrible about this list. It's not just like a theoretical. The Mustang did it. The Fiesta ST did it. The Subaru uh, Impreza did it. Oh, my gosh, man. Broke the timing belt on the highway? I've heard of timing belts stretching, but broke? Mm, I Yes. I, I remember hearing mm. horror stories when the, when the 300ZX was getting old enough that its first round of timing belt changes needed to be done and people didn't do them and they were blowing engines on the highway. I remember hearing those horror stories oh. when I bought one and I was like, okay, so what you're saying is timing belt is what you're saying. Yuck. Yeah. Albert has lost so much money on cars, $12,000 U.S., that having to sell his car to the loss is becoming, well, it's too expensive to repair, so he has to sell it at a mm-hmm. loss. Having to replace major components shortly after purchasing, like an engine rebuild, has oh, man. really put him in the hole. Now, the cars he's owned, to give, give us a bit of his driving background, are a 1995 Honda Civic, that 01 Lexus IS300. There, there it is. is. again, yeah. Well, then he's got a 2011 Honda CRZ with a six-speed manual. You are a... Decisive car enthusiast. That should have been okay. The CRZ. Yeah, he doesn't say if that caused many problems, but I love that that's on the list. That first early IS and then a CRZ. Those are that's a great combo. And then there's a Corolla on here, a Mustang V6, Mm. a Mustang GT, a must another Mustang GT. One of the ones that left him on the side of the road. A Ford Fiesta, which left him on the side of the road, and currently a 2000 Jeep Wrangler SE that he is going to be able to sell to get whatever is next. Wow. This is hard, man. Um, this is really Albert, hard. Albert, I really feel for you, man. You've gone through these cars, I think, just because you want to try different things. Yeah. And there's many people who write to us who have gone through cars. You're not alone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The financial part of it has definitely hit you hard. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that just want to try new cars so much, they're willing to invest the dollars. Doesn't matter if it's you know middle-priced, kind of high-priced. Yeah. They're paying yeah. the, the turnover, the cost to turn it over, essentially. Well, right now, this Jeep Wrangler SE from 2000 Mm -hmm. is going to go away. And with that, he will have a budget of $6,000 as he can't afford to finance a car. So I get the sense that that Wrangler is probably going to sell for more than six. He's going to sell it. He's going to pay off probably some of what's going on. And he's going to have $6,000 total left for what's next. This is hard, man. And he says, I love lightweight, sharp handling cars. And then he veers off. <laughs> cover your ears, those of you that don't want to hear this. He veers off. It said, best car he's ever driven is the BRZ FRS 86. It's yeah. nice and small. He has great visibility. He really wants one, but he knows it's completely out because he can't get one. Not for that price. Yeah, you can't. Well, he needs something that has small, great visibility, is decently comfortable, has great aftermarket, and is pretty reliable, but not out of his budget. Mm. Since he can't buy that, he's looking for something really reliable and won't cost an armor leg to fix himself, so no luxury brands. Yeah, okay. He wants decent build quality, a nice manual, an engine that has good torque, some good torque, and that aftermarket thing. He wants aftermarket support for modifications to make it better if needed, Mm. and at least four seats, as he needs four seats for sure. So right now, he's currently looking at 93 to 05 Toyota Corollas. Okay. Say that again. 93 to 05 mm-hmm. Corollas. Toyota Celicas, Scion TC, Mazda 3, Subaru Impreza, Honda Civic. He looks forward to hearing from us. Well, Albert, I want to go to the paragraph that I just read mm. in your email mm. where you're giving us your list. This seems like the same list that would apply of decent build quality, a good aftermarket, I want good torque in the engine and a good mm-hmm, transmission mm-hmm. and a, a list of requirements that applied to your old self because from here oh. on out is your new self. 
Okay. Where are you going? And there is no shame in battening down the hatches and getting something that doesn't do any of these things. Oh, I see where you are. Yeah. Okay. Because as car enthusiasts, yeah, we waste money. We don't just spend money. We waste money on it is, our hobby. It is the hole down which it's we just throw our cash. A yes. Full on spray cash Absolutely. at the problem yep. to fix it because we like it, mm-hmm. because we want it. Mm-hmm. And those are things you want, but it sounds like those are things you're going to have to go without for a time period. Mm. I don't know how long that is. Interesting. But this is tough love because you're giving us a list of, yeah, I want it to be, you know, comfortable, great aftermarket, reliable. You know, good that aftermarket support for mods to make it better. You're not spending any any money on mods. Mm. Zero dollars <laughs> on mods. Right. That's what got you into the trouble. That's mm. what got you the problem mm. because, well, I got this good platform. I'm going to dump money into it. I'm going to make it better because. Mm-hmm. And the thinking here, Albert, is we're car people. We're all car enthusiasts. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to make it better. Mm-hmm. Why? For what? To yeah. go do what? Mm-hmm. If you can tell me a valid reason, which you haven't. I'm coming True. in hot. You here. are coming in. You're throwing elbows tonight. This is great. If you can right. say, I want it to do blank because autocrossing is my hobby or track yeah, driving is yeah, my yeah. thing or I'm, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I want to do can carving or because of roads near me. Great. There's your reason. Yeah. You've stated none of those. Mm. You're just into the aftermarket because it's fun and because that's what we do. Yeah. So only you, I can't do this. You're going to have to limit yourself. Ooh. You're going to have to tell yourself. I can't spend any money on mods. The next car I get, whatever you end up with and whatever we decide here, you've got a great list going Mm -hmm. and you're shopping specifically because of price. I can tell. Yeah, for sure. And yes, the Japanese brands, any of really any of these cars on your list are going to work great. I like the Celica. I still like the fit. I still like some of these other cars that you had before the Honda CRZ and that Lexus IS 300. You didn't mention either of those giving you problems. True. They just moved out of your life. True. Because you wanted to taste something else. And then he went into a string of Mustangs that left him on the side of the road. I hate to say it, but that was the progression. Right. Yeah. So if you're willing to get one of these cars, but not tune it up and not dump the money into the next part that will give you what? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. It's it's him being a car guy that's a car technician, and he wants to he wants to tinker, he wants to tweak. For sure. And the other problem, we all do. This is the this is the double edged sword of your expertise and the fact that you're you're going to to school to become an even better car technician. This is the other thing is I'm I can hear it. I can hear that when one of these cars is at a problem, your gut instinct is, oh, I can fix that. (laughs) But then you get down that tumbling hill of oh no, it's the oh no, it's that. Or it's not. I can fix it. I can fix it and replace it with a better part that cost more that, money. Mm, that's a scary part. That's the car enthusiast disease right You're there. Right. You're absolutely right. I yes. did that with a 920. I'm like, well, if I'm taking all this stuff off, Let's I might as put, well put better, newer stuff on. <laughs> and then I learned with old Porsches, you want to put the OEM part back on. Mm. This is just what you do. <laughs> I have learned this the hard way. Yeah, yeah. Financially mm. and with busted knuckles. Yep. You put the original part, the new original part back mm. on because you know it fits. Mm. There's no wow. grinding or jiggling or sawing or <sighs> sweating or cursing to get that new thing to fit. You know it fits. You know the inexplicable sparks in the background of all build shows? <laughs> That's somebody trying to grind an aftermarket part, I think, based <laughs> exactly. on your experience. It's yeah, trying to okay. fit this into the Porsche engine bay. That's funny. But Albert, I'll go with any of these mm. as long as it's $6,000. If you stick to your budget, mm. but you can't go over, you can't say, oh, I got this Scion TC. Wonder what exhaust costs for this. No. <laughs> Stop it. No. Stop it. <laughs> I wonder what some coil of. No. <laughs> Break up. Nope. The most I'll let you do is tires. And I say this out of concern and care mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Because. Yeah, yeah. We all do this. I, I've done it to the 928. We are totally I guilty. extra parts. Well, if, you know, what if that breaks? I, gosh, I got I, an extra steering rack. I have I, one of those. I didn't send my core charge back. Oh, oh gosh. You know, you send it back oh, and you get I didn't your core you back. Had, oh, no. I have a steering rack sitting in my utility room Perfect. over here. I, I, and I will, my old radiator, by the I way. I will never need those, just so you know. I just want to put between us I as know friends. I want you to know I have no need but for I that. But I might. And I bought a rebuilt steering rack because what if mine goes and it's sitting in my house? I have parts of my house now. (laughs) I'm off the rails. You are off the rails. Albert, listen to the voice (laughs) of experience here. Yeah. So I know the temptation is there to do that. 
but if you're not in the financial position, which it sounds like you need to do a big reset. Mm. So you can't bring any of these qualifications of how you would normally buy cars and how you bought cars in the past. Yeah, I want all this stuff. I want a good aftermarket. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Mm-hmm. What if your aftermarket is really just the dealership selling you parts to replace the yeah. original parts? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's where you've got to reset yourself. And again, for any car enthusiast that's in this position, I want you to hear me. There's no shame in doing this. There's no shame in saying, I need to reset. Mm-hmm. I need to get rid of that car. I need to go way out of my life. It's costing me too much money. I love it. I will be very sad that it's <laughs> yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah. And I don't get to drive blank car anymore. Mm-hmm. You're right. But it's also okay to put yourself back together financially and be smart and make yeah, a smart look move. Look at here. you. You are being like mature this evening. I don't know why. That 928 experience has shaped you, my friend. I think you rewatched the cost video. We're like, oh, shaped whoa. Shaped the right word here? Or yeah. is it? Uh, uh, anyway, the stuff has happened, my beat, friend. Beat me into submission because okay. I feel it. Yeah. Yes. For the amount of money I could. People are commenting on this video already. Yes, I could have bought another Cayman. Yeah. I could have bought a 987 Cayman S. I could have had two Caymans. <laughs> I could have. <laughs> it really sucks when I think about it. Yeah, put that it does. in perspective. Yeah, put that in that, that. Think about it that way. Ouch. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of cars I could have had. Yeah. But I don't love them as much as I love this thing. Interesting. And look what it's doing for, Todd, you and I, our uh-huh. adventures together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I want in my life to be able to look back at. Yep, mm. I did stupid things. My first 928 <laughs> was stupid. It was dumb. I, I shouldn't have owned that car. But yet look what it's done for my life later on. And you Mm. and I are doing these road trips together and we're living our lives. We're having these adventures and we're recording them. Yeah, you're right. And we get to have this to point to like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that was dumb. That was, you know, really financially not smart. But (laughs) here's the record. The the problem with you and I doing two podcasts a week and all these videos is we have record of our stupidity. It's not hidden. (laughs) There's no, there's no, well, nobody knows about that. No, no. Everybody knows. We've been stupid publicly. That's the problem. Yeah. It sucks. Mm-hmm. I know it. I, I'm going on. I'm going on okay. too long. But please take it. Please take it from here, Albert. I am going to uh, kind of add and also so turn Paul's tough love because I actually have some cars I want to want to walk through with you. Okay. But the big thing I want to say is this, and this is the thing beyond Paul because I agree with Paul's. Don't buy something because you're going to tune it. That's that's the please the don't trip. spend a couple years and don't tune anything. However, that's hard. However, that's yes, hard. yes, yes. But here is the the tougher thing that I'm reading here, Albert, that makes me concerned that I want you to just ponder this because I think this is what I'm about to tell you is going to be cold, hard reality. You're going to buy a car for $6,000. I don't care what car that is. I feel pretty confident that in the first year of ownership, you have six grand, Albert. You don't have 6500 You don't have seven. You don't have eight or nine. I am pretty sure that in the first year that after you own a $6,000 car, if you look back a year from now, having not tried to tune it at all, you will have probably still spent 1000 or more on stuff that car needs. Yeah. I don't care what car you're buying. Cars in the pantheon of the world available right now for $6,000. Any car on the planet... I bet you money, though I won't send you a check, that <laughs> if you spend $6,000 on something, a year from now you will be able to write us and say, here's the better part of $1,000 this car just needed. You had to have it to make it run yes. and be safe. And, and, I, and yeah. I, that's assuming yeah. that you don't have another one of these problems where engine on the side of the road. Okay? And let's hope you oh, don't. But, that's rough. But this is, the, this is the really hard part with buying really cheap cars. Now, Paul and I have gotten away with it a couple of years in a row, but also the key thing, look, I will admit it, the key thing about both the Phaeton uh, Maserati experience and the Z4 Mercedes experience is we were in it for a year, <laughs> and then we dumped them, yeah. and we dumped both of them with problems. Yeah. If it was our only car, think about how differently that would have felt yeah. for both of those cars, and they were both cheap. So... Mm. beyond whatever you buy, that $6,000 is going to need more. And I want you, Albert, to be in a place where you personally can stomach that reality. And to put it another way, I just want your headspace when you go in to go, I'm going to buy whatever that answer is. I don't care what that answer is. And I'm going to give you some thoughts. But whatever fills in the blank, fills Mm -hmm. in the space in the driveway, Mm -hmm. you spent $6,000 on it. And I want you to know that it's going to need something, and that's not the end of the world. That is reality. It's just going to need something. I don't even know what it is. The basics. Yes. A new battery, tires, some brakes. Yes. 
basic maintenance. If, if you do tires and brakes all around on pretty much anything and you do it yourself, you're going to spend, what, five, six hundred bucks doing it yourself? Sure, sure. I haven't even done anything special yet. Yeah. Oil changes, brakes, and tires? Easy. So be prepared for more money than six grand. Having said that, Scion TC is actually a solid choice. I like that. I prefer the Celica over the Corolla. I think the Celicas are more interesting, but agreed. You got to, you got to look, you need to do yourself or somebody else. Go get a pre-purchase inspection and know what the car is you're buying. Know what it needs right up front. That's the biggest thing to do it. Civic or a Mazda three are both solid choices. I have two you don't have on your list, both of which are available for your budget and are somewhat interesting. But again, they're $6,000 cars. So be careful. One is the Acura RSX, early 2000. You remember that car? Are those that low? The Acura RSX. No now, kidding. this is the bottom of that market, but they're down there. But okay. this is the problem. The okay. $6,000 version of that, what does it need? The yeah. other one that's down there is the first-gen Hyundai Veloster with a stick is down there. Hmm. And those cars are recent. Those are like 2012, 2013 cars. Yeah. So now you're getting something that, because the other problem I'm concerned about is you buying something from the 90s. Guess what? It's going to need stuff. I don't care what it is. From the 90s. So if you're buying a Veloster in from the 2010s, that's not that old yet. So it hasn't had a time for everything on the car to wear out because of sheer age. (laughs) It hasn't had that chance. So the (laughs) Veloster with a stick, the first gen, they're down there. Mm. But my big headline to you, Albert, and I I agree with Paul's thing about tuning, my big headspace for you is whatever you buy will need something you need to be prepared for that. You're buying low-end cars. They're going to have needs. Every winter, we find ourselves tracking snow, salt, and grime into our cars. Thankfully, Covercraft has a variety of floor mats to keep you winterproof. Covercraft floor mats and cargo mats are custom-fitted to your exact car and include the original equipment security grommets if applicable. They're the perfect and durable way to protect your car's carpet and add style and comfort to your interior. Plus, you can choose from many color and material options to complement or contrast the interior colors of your car or truck. Covercraft is sure to have what you need. They offer plush carpet, Berber carpet, or even sheepskin, which is warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Whatever mats you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY22 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. There are a pile of good questions. I haven't made a list of questions this long in a while. I've got a couple of scrolls worth of questions. There's no way I'll get to all of them, but I'm going to start right here with Michael Henry, who went somewhere I didn't expect in a question, and I'm going to come back at you with somewhere I don't think you expect, Michael. You can answer a question with a question. Your question is, what would we suggest as alternative for the Corolla Cross? Now, the Corolla Cross is an excuse for Toyota to sell yet another five-seat almost SUV. What are we doing? Toyota has a litany of stuff in this area, and they are now selling the Corolla Cross. Not a Corolla, not a RAV4. It's the Corolla Cross. I'm sorry, I have to beat on it because I can't believe it exists. <laughs> he has a Toyota Corolla IM right now. The Cross seems appealing to him because they already have a RAV4, and they don't want something big. He likes the idea of a little more space than his Corolla IM and a little more gl- ground clearance. What about the Toyota uh, Corolla Cross? No, Michael, no. No is my answer. <laughs> but if you're going to spend Toyota Corolla Cross money, that's 25 grand and up. That's about what those cost. If you're going to spend that money, I'm going to give you two used choices because what you want, Michael, is you want a lifted hot hatchback. That's mm. what you're actually asking for. You want a lifted hot hatchback. You want a little more space than your IM. You want a little more ground clearance. The two best lifted hot hatchbacks out there, and both of them are around... 20 to 30 grand. Ooh. Guess where the bottom of the Porsche Macan market is? Ooh. 25 to 35 grand. You're going to get a Corolla Cross over a base Macan, but I'll go you one further. Mercedes GLA AMG 45. It's always a good choice. Hi. Yeah. Corolla Cross. <laughs> Travels with George J. says this might, might be more of an old man rant than a question, but when did car dealers and service <laughs> departments abandon the concept of providing quality customer service? That's not just car dealers. Yeah, it really that's, isn't. That's really just, it's becoming harder and harder. If you find somewhere across the board that gives you great service, I don't care what their industry is, go back. <laughs> yeah, support them. And I think it has a lot to do with the pride that people take in that brand. Oh, interesting. You know, if it's low, it's obviously just a job to people. Mm-hmm. But if it's high, it's the rare person. And yeah, and I think, but I think in general, we're having a plague of people don't want to be as helpful as they used to be. And I don't want to be like, in my day, I don't want to be that. But it's oh, the same. I, I yeah. feel like 
when you find those people in any industry that really want to go out of their way and be helpful, that is rare now. really is. Almost any industry, like you said. Derek Dillenberg has a question I'm going to try to make brief. He says, can we explain Turo? His parents are taking a trip, and they think that Turo might work for them, but they're not sure. Can we explain the details? Turo is very much like Haggerty Driveshare. They're the same idea, but the easiest way to describe this is it is Airbnb for cars. Mm-hmm. Yep. You are renting someone else's vehicle. Now, if you go someplace like L.A., Vegas, Phoenix, that kind of thing, there are people who this is their job. They went and bought five or six cars. There are some people in Salt Lake that do it. They have their own personal fleet and their entire job is renting out their cars and they drive the one that's not rented. But what you're doing is you're using the app to find a car at your dates. You are reserving it through the app. DriveShare is much more focused on people that have cars they love, like my Lotus is on there. Okay, my Lotus is not on Turo. But if you need an old minivan, 20 bucks for the day. So there's a lot of stuff. I hope that helps a little bit. Parker S. writes to us. He says, modifying cars is looked at as a waste. Why not just buy the better car? Well, sure. We've said that at least once. (laughs) We've talked about that. (laughs) But he feels like it was better for him buying his first sports car and then making the decision to modify it instead of buying the better car, Mm. specifically because he was interested in figuring out how to install each part. Mm. He wanted to see how those parts change the dynamics of the car and that he feels like he sees more of the changes and you can figure out what you're trying to do. You're talking about tuning yourself. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the mm-hmm. short version is you're doing your own R&D. Yep, absolutely. You're choosing a part based on recommendations and popularity from a particular group of enthusiasts who say, that's the part to get. Those mm-hmm. coilovers, those brakes, mm-hmm. those wheels. Mm-hmm. And you're putting them on your own car, but you're waiting. You're starting with that rather than having the end goal in mind. Like you said, you're letting the parts dictate the feel of, well, now my car, wow, I didn't realize it could do that. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my end goal in mind. I just wanted to see what came of it. Mm-hmm. It's a different path. And I do admire you for taking this on because you're right. You do feel those changes and you do learn how to do that, mm-hmm. but not everybody can afford to do that. Not everybody has the, I agree. the ability, the tools, the lift, the time and the money to mm-hmm. be able to choose a part because Parker were you wrong at some point? Did mm, you install a part and think, whoa, shouldn't have done that. I went backwards. Mm-hmm. I screwed the car up. That should come off or I need to take mm-hmm. it off and readjust the part or something like that. Did, did you go backwards? Because now you're just, you're an R&D shop. You're trying stuff out. That's great for R&D shops from automotive and OEMs and tuners because mm-hmm. they have a budget and they have experts who, generally speaking, kind of know what a part will do, and they just want to get it in there and tweak the steering geometry a little bit, and great. But they've got money and time to be able to do that. It's, mm-hmm. And then they come up with a tuned package, and then they sell that. But for just doing it individually, I applaud you for doing it, but whew, not everybody has the time and ability to do that. True. I agree with all of that, Parker. I want to add on here a little bit. I think this... Look, this is a nuanced reality because, of course, we joke about don't tune out a class, but there's lots of reasons to do things to your car. And I do understand that those reasons exist. And because we're all car freaks, we do it anyway, okay? But the problem that I have that we see a lot and the reason that we talk about not tuning out, out of class is somebody has something, let's say, doesn't handle well, and they really would like a car that handles well. So they're going to take the thing that doesn't handle well and try to make it do the thing it doesn't do. Buy something that handles well. That's not your approach. Your approach is I have car blank mm-hmm. and I want to learn stuff. True. True. I, I just, so what if I do this to it? You're not trying to make it into something it isn't. That's the tune out of class problem. You're making a car into something it isn't. You're making a car different and you're learning how to do it, what it does, how does that affect stuff. You're coming away with an education. That is a very different headspace than wrenching your car in a new direction because it doesn't do what you want your car to do. So I applaud you, like Paul did, I applaud you for actually taking the time and doing the R&D. I, I will fully admit, I don't want to do the R&D. I don't have the money or the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want mm-hmm. the car to work for what I bought it for, which is why I would much rather buy an 86 than a Hellcat, because I like handling over power. They both do those things very well. They have their camps. <laughs> which one do I want to mm-hmm. be? I would like to buy an 86, please. And we did. So I, I love that you use this as a learning platform. To Paul's point, you were your own R&D, which we don't recommend because you're just trying stuff out. But you're trying stuff out for the learning experience, and there's value in that. Rusty Buckskin says, assuming you're in the market for a new car, are the normal commuter cars spec with rare trims worth keeping? 
knowing they're almost impossible to find in clean form. Examples would be the Honda Accord V6 sedan with a manual transmission, a Subaru Legacy GT Spec B, or the Toyota Matrix XRS with the manual. You're asking about value Mm -hmm. for commuter cars, for non-performance cars. Does it have the plastic on the seats? Then it might be valuable. Has it been driven? It's a, okay. It's tough to say. Yeah, those things are going to be valuable. If you have one and you enjoy it, great. It's worth whatever it's worth to the next person. But generally speaking, since it's not a performance car to start with, you're not going to turn it into a performance car despite its manual transmission, for example. Yeah. You're not going to do stuff to it to make it. No, you're going to sell it and you're going to go buy a performance car. (laughs) Justin on Twitter says he thinks he saw the picture of what we just posted of the new Lexus egg, the blue one that we have. It's actually a gorgeous blue. It is. It's a Lexus. What is it? The 450H. That's what it is, right? With an F sport. Whoa. Grecian water is the paint color. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he says there's people that get paid to think up names like uh, that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Grecian water was that blue. I'm just going to go there. I don't think it was. Anyway, he says he thinks every Toyota and Lexus hybrid would be better as a full EV, and he wants to know if we share that opinion. I don't right now, Justin, and here's why. Toyota does the best hybrid systems of anybody. Mm-hmm. They were doing it first, and their hybrid systems are the best of anybody. So that means it does it really well. The reason I don't think they'd be better as full EVs is because the infrastructure isn't there. If the infrastructure was there that you could charge any time you needed, you could get a bunch of range back very quickly, and so it was just this usable thing, road trip anywhere I want, don't have to think twice, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. gas stations are, then I would say, yeah, let's go full EV. But since the tech and the, and the infrastructure isn't there yet, I think the hybrid is a great middle ground that I kind of believe is going to hang out for longer than we think. But I see your point. Dustin Marshall on Facebook says he's asking about Top Gear TV shows. Now, what I'm sensing when I read this question is that you're asking about all the ones since the original three, Jeremy, James, and Richard left Top Gear because Top Gear existed before then, but he's talking about since then, all the other Top Gear TV shows. Have we liked any of them? <laughs> he actually really liked the Top Gear USA where it was Adam, Tanner, and Rutledge. That I, They had some good episodes, even though I wasn't a huge fan of that. Agreed. I felt like Agreed. they were desperate to make the format work and they had their formatting Bible, and they were desperate to make it work. And sometimes it did, and sometimes it didn't. He said, have we liked any of them? You know what I actually did like? I liked when Matt LeBlanc was on Top Gear for one season okay. with Rory yes. Reed yeah. and Chris Harris and Matt LeBlanc because I liked the juxtaposition of those three guys very much. Now, that season was a struggle because Matt didn't want to be, you could tell, you watched where things were shot. You could tell he didn't want to be in England all the time. Mm. So they shot some stuff in the U.S. that didn't really need to be shot in the U.S., but clearly it was like, we got to go to Matt now. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but I loved the juxtaposition of him and Chris. I thought he did a much better job. I also came in kind of low expectations, like, let's see how this goes. How's Joey as a car reviewer? And I thought he did great. <laughs> he did well. Yeah. He did very, very well. I actually yeah. liked those, even though I think they struggled to get them made. I've never liked any of them since. The current one of Top Gear UK is a old British cricketer, uh, Freddie. It is a uh, British comedian and Chris Harris. And it is very British again. I think I'm the only one of us in the crew that watches it because I'm the only one that can understand the accents. The accents I think you are. are thick. Since you grew up there, yeah. It is. It, they, they're thick. And I wa- here's a funny thing. I watch that sometimes, and my wife and son walk through and go, what did they say? Mm-hmm. They don't get it either. I'm watching yeah. along and laughing. I think that can be good, but nobody's really ever topped that original. And we'll see if Grand Tour even comes back. I'm not even sure if it's going to. I feel like it's been forever. Thumbing My Way asks if we think Polestar, after presenting that O2 concept, will follow with a production car and beat the ethereal Tesla Roadster. I certainly hope so, because that particular car has given me hope for enthusiast electric cars. Mm. Now, we don't know what it drives like. Of course not. We can extrapolate a little bit because we know electric cars and we know what the platform kind of feels like. But there's hope. There's a, a glimmer here because we've been told that Polestar is the tip of the spear technologically speaking, for Volvo Group. Whether they're trying electric or you know, carbon mm-hmm, fiber mm-hmm. production techniques or new tech, you know, other new tech in cars, it's Polestar that will get it first, then trickle on down to the Volvos. So this gives me hope. The fact that they're just trying this, the fact that it's out there and car enthusiasts are designing something that looks like an enthusiast electric mm-hmm, car, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. And... The Tesla Roadster. 
There was the first Tesla Roadster. There was. Now we've driven the lo- that briefly. The Lotus Elise one, yes. It's a really heavy Elise. It's a very heavy Elise. It takes all the fun out of the Elise. It makes it fast. <laughs> it's fast. Well, removes, it's quick. Removes a lot of the fun. It's quick. but It becomes quick. Yes. It takes the Elise goodness out. But this Tesla Roadster, this is just a, I'll be nice, polishing of the laurels. This is a look at me kind of. Well, Project, vanity project. When it was announced, it was a look over here and don't pay attention to the tire fire, which is what Tesla consistently mm-hmm. does. They mm-hmm. announce something new so you don't look at the problems. Anyway, uh, Revs Up says, any chance that the two of us might do a speaking tour of the country? He thinks the two of us in a small auditorium on sitting on stools with microphones and answering an audience's live <laughs> questions. And he said, we could even film road trips between the two. Wow. Uh, Revs Up, I am... Uh, kind of shocked and also flattered, I guess, that you think that's something that we could do. I mean, I'd be open to it. Here's here's the problem with the idea. I wouldn't want to do it for 15 people. You know what I mean? Sure. Because the, the, the sure. financials just don't make sense. If, if we felt like we could do a tour, this this is an insane conversation. This is I'm out having. there. This I, is out there. I, yeah. I lo- I, I'm very flattered that you brought it up. For but sure. If we felt like we could do a tour, and I'm putting it in air quotes you cannot see. never saw that coming. And 100 or a couple hundred people would show up. I would do it absolutely. Sure. Short sure. of that, it's really hard to justify the cost and the time. And I I don't think, I mean, granted, we're sitting here in a room, just the two of us looking at each other. <laughs> I don't think that audience is out there, but maybe you've tapped into something I'm not aware of. I, I, I am flattered more than anything that you, you think it's cool. Tanergy Images says, what car do we think suffered unjustly from poor marketing Ooh. or just came in the market at the wrong time? Well, certainly those all-wheel drive AMC Eagles were way ahead of the Subaru all-wheel drive and CUV kind of yeah. craze. I thought of two. Uh, do you have a couple? I thought of two that I think came out at the exact wrong time. Okay, Not Go. a marketing issue. Pontiac released the G8, which was very good, and the Solstice, which was surprisingly good for a Gen 1, and, it, and I think with a Gen 2 would have been brilliant. Both of those cars got revealed right before Pontiac got completely shuttered. Yeah, that wasn't marketing. That was just a business plan. That was the wrong place. They came out and then the company got shuttered and there was nowhere to put them and so they killed those two cars. Now, I know that the G8 kind of became the SS. They they brought that over from Australia and all that kind of thing. But both those were good, genuinely good, and deserved to go on. I wish the Solstice, I'm going to say it again, had become the base Corvette lineup. Mm -hmm. The Solstice was, it still amazes me that GM did that well out-of-the-box thinking for them in Gen 1, and a Gen 2 of that, I think, would have been a genuine 86 or Miata competitor, and it doesn't exist because it was killed along with Pontiac. I don't have particular cars in mind, but companies. Mm. Because of the popularity of CUVs and SUVs has caught companies, I think, by surprise. And for a while, Toyota and Honda wanted to capitalize on that. They were just falling all over themselves to try and provide models that came out, and you think, what? Who is going to buy that? And well, I guess people did over time, but they lost their mojo. They lost their focus. Honda has lost focus for a long time, in my opinion, mm. gone away from the peak, the brilliance of the S2000, and the NSX. Yeah. And they went after small SUVs and CUVs. And then with this 11th generation Civic Si, it's suddenly, oh, the Civic Type R is great. Yeah, for sure. Wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. But from a fun perspective, that's what Hondas are known for. Yeah. Yeah, they're just fun to drive. It does feel like 90s Honda. I hadn't thought about that. The it, new Civic Si feels like 90s Honda at Don't their you peak. think? I hadn't yeah, actually connected that up. It's, because there's been some other yes. good ones. But that does feel like that era. That's really good. They've had this massive yeah. dip in, well, we're just chasing sales. Toyota went through that until they brought out the first 86. And then the Super came back. Mm-hmm. And then the GR brand got integrated into Toyota. Yeah. And now they're GRing everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great. They're they're GRing some cars that shouldn't be GR'd. Well, they should all be GR'd, but you know what I mean? <laughs> and wonderful. Bring it. And now I, I just hope that this continues and that Polestar concept, the O2 concept, is giving me hope for that. Okay. Because we can't just get caught up in the we need to get people in our cars and they're just kind of boring and we churn them out and Volkswagen them out and here's the boringness. There has to be fun. There ha- are there any people that work at any car companies that are actually enthusiasts and actually like cars? There are. Yeah. And sometimes they don't win. And other times they do. Mm. That's what's happening to Honda. That's what happened to That's Toyota. Good. I do like that. That's very Come good. on, VW. 
You got to jump in there. Come on. <laughs> iBevan5 on Instagram is asking one of those questions that could be a topic Tuesday, or it could be one of those like conversation bombs you throw out at your next cars and coffee and just ask this question <laughs> and see what comes back because it could go a million different ways. But here's the question. He says, flashy cars, and I read exotic cars, seem to attract more men than women. And I think you're right. I mean, yeah. the, the perception yeah. is I'll buy a Ferrari and all the women will love me. Maybe. But all the guys will definitely come over and be like, what's that? Sweet car, that dude. That was like crazy. He says, is there a car that women are attracted to or is it just the badge that women will be drawn to? Is there a car? Yeah. I actually think, and I've seen this a few times, I've seen it at Cars and Coffee. I've seen it randomly on our shoots. I think that women are attracted to classy things, especially classic, classy things. Okay. I'll give you a direct example yeah. of one of our shoots. When we had the... Two kit cars on PCH, the Cobra, the Daytona, okay, Cobra, which all of the guys wanted to talk about that car and listen to it drive away. Yeah, yeah. But the 356, the people that walked up to the 356, 85, 90% of them were women. Hmm. It was approachable. It was classy. It was simple. It was nice and wonderful. And you know what? It, it's all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. The Cobra was this brash, exotic thing, and the car guys were like, oh, that sounds amazing, and what is this, and all that mm. kind of stuff. And the women just walked up and went, that is a gorgeous car. And I feel like I see that at Cars and Coffee, and I see it at car dealers, and I see it in general. Women are attracted to things that have class, and very often they also are classic at the same time. I think my favorite story ever that I'll end on is the woman that was cycling up the hill nearby. <laughs> Oh, no. And I forget what this cars is, we were shooting. What cars were we shooting? probably 10 years ago. Yeah, it, we were shooting in L.A. And we, yes. She was cycling up the hill, and mm -hmm. I forget how the conversation started, but she's huffing and puffing and coming by, and we're just, we've pulled over to do a, a, a camera setup. I think I was setting up a camera on the side of the road. Yeah. And and so I'm kind of where she's going to wind up. She had to go around right, me. Right, right. So it was just obvious, like, some uh -huh. pleasantries should be exchanged. Like, uh -huh. hey, how you yeah. doing? Like, what are you guys doing? Because it, it looks odd to have camera gear out and the hatches of cars open yeah. and doors yeah, open yeah. and we're just kind of running around. It's, it's not apparently obvious to non-car enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. And her question was like, what are you guys doing up here? And I said, filming cars. And she said, people watch that? <laughs> and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I sure hope so. <laughs> we hope so. Yeah, exactly. As far as we know. Bye now. Yeah, and she, she went was, on her merry way. She was not a fan. She, she could not understand how anybody would care. Yeah. People watch that? I don't know. We hope. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. This was a while ago. So at that point, not as many people as are watching now, clearly. But still. that also says to me that she is probably still not watching. I don't know where she is. <laughs> Blessings to her wherever she is, but probably still not watching. I have one more, and that's Geese1RBM says, he's wondering our thoughts on Subaru's announcement that even though there's a new WRX, there will not be a new STI. I saw this. That burns gasoline. A couple of you have asked about this. There won't be a new STI version of the new WRX platform. Do we think this is an indication of Subaru shifting away from enthusiast cars? I don't think so. I think Subaru has a branding problem when it comes to the STI and the WRX. The, the, and the, the BRZ is on the bubble of this as well, but the STI and the WRX especially, because what has Subaru built themselves into in the last decade? They're not a rally company anymore. In the early 2000s, they were a company known for rally. They are a company known for two things now, safety and environment. Yeah, they're, they're a car company wearing a green safety vest. Yes, absolutely they are, with the recycle symbol on the back. Mm -hmm. on the back. Yep. So, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that is who they've built themselves to be. The STI is completely antithetical to that idea. It is not a car for safety or for saving anything. It is a car for going fast and loud through a forest <laughs> sideways. Yes. That is its intention. Yes. So you're going you're gonna to put a big exhaust on it, and you're going to drive it like a hooligan. This is its purpose in life. So Subaru isn't going to do that. Now, I could see them arguing that it makes sense if it were all electric. I could see them doing all electric when I'm being yeah. like, see, we're still staying to brand, but making another fire-breathing, gasoline, turbo, angry thing doesn't match the branding. Somebody sent us uh, on Facebook the president and CEO of Subaru of America's email to their retailers. It was Jonathan D. Thank you for sending that, Jonathan. And just touching on this very thing, and it seems like to me the president of Subaru America's mm -hmm. is – 
waiting for this new platform that Subaru is either developing or buying or co-developing or something like that to be able to shift and to be able to shift and bring out a new model or go in a new direction with a new platform. Mm. There has to be a a stopping point. There has to be a reset point. Just like Hyundai did with Genesis. They shut it down for a little bit and then boom. Oh, look, they're a new brand. And no, they're not. They just rebranded themselves Mm -hmm. and successfully. So this might be the same kind of pause stopping point for Subaru to then whip the sheet off of one of their cool concepts in the future and maybe something will come about. We shall see. Thank you for all your questions. We hope you watch. People watch that? People watch that? That's weird. (laughs) I mean, caught us all. We didn't have a response. We were just dead. Her entire demeanor uh, was, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, the scorn. Yeah, that's the right term. Yeah, Uh (laughs) Just the derogatory dripping, like, people watch that? Uh, Thank you for watching, by the way, yes. I guess. What am I doing here? I'm now questioning my life, and it's barely started down the world of cars. Exactly. I'm going to go home. All right. (laughs) Really appreciate it. Nevertheless, we're always looking forward to next time. Thanks for your questions. Cheers.